Welcome to the Civ Show podcast, a podcast about everything civilization. I'm your host, Moisas. And I'm Nystagmus, um, who appears on... Oh, now I'm on stream. Okay, I can see myself now. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I fixed that immediately. Don't worry, I got you. Uh, so uh, we have a good show for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about our last week on Civ Show. We're going to be talking, uh, we're going to be ranking, sorry. We're going to be ranking the civilizations that we played last week as well in our tier list. We're going to be talking about our thoughts on apocalypse mode. And we're going to be revealing the next theme in our civilizations that, civilizations that we will be playing next week. So uh, last week, in case you missed it, was China versus Japan versus Khmer. Uh, it was the battle for Asia with raising Zozo, China, taking the victory via culture victory. And I did not come in last place. That was like the highlight of the entire game. I didn't come in last place this time. I'm, I'm really excited about that. <laughs> no, I, I did. Yeah, I played uh, very poorly, to say the least. I tried to focus on religion, uh, like fully on religion. Since their new or their unique building is in the holy site, I figured, okay, I've never really tried this before, maybe for good reason, now that I think about it, but I've never really tried this before where I fully focus on religion. And so I built a holy site in every single one of my cities, and then I built the Prasat, which is the Khmer unique building. I built the, uh, the Prasat in every single holy site. And so I can buy missionaries in all of my cities, and I was generating a ton of faith, and that was great, but everything else suffered. I did not have enough science. I did not have enough culture. I did not have enough military or production uh, in any of my cities. Uh, I think and also a downfall was I, I overpopulated my cities too quickly and I didn't have the housing to support my cities. And I kind of wasted all of that extra food. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't instead focus on like production or science in place of food. I built too many farms and I was basically just wasting resources that was my downfall um i think i played a pretty decent game like heading up i was neck and neck with with zoe for most of the game when it came to like science and when it came to you know military strength and stuff like that honestly i think i just got to learn that when you know zoe was running away with culture just to like flat out declare war on the person who's winning the culture victory um just so that i can slow them down i think i had the production to match him um, as soon as I started building, as soon as I got the Venetian arsenal too, I should have just pumped out a bunch of battleships and just started um, like pelting his coastal cities, basically, I think. Um, I definitely thought once you got the Venetian arsenal, you were going to start building a ton of boats and attack him. Like 100%. I was like, dude, I'm so excited for him to go to war with him because um, maybe he can stop him. And then nothing happened. The thing that stopped me, though, was um, a couple of non-hurricane natural disasters hit. And I went, I was pretty poor for like a lot of time. I was trying to rebuild my trade routes and stuff. And so um, I couldn't afford the maintenance cost. I actually deleted two of my battleships because I just couldn't afford um, the maintenance cost. I was like, whoa, I was like, damn, my, I was man. like minus 50 gold at one point. That's how bad it got. Um, yeah. Did you go like bankrupt at some point? Like, did, were you, did, were yeah. you at zero and negative? Yeah. So what, what, what happens when, when, you're, when you're at that point, when you have zero money and you're in the negative gold per turn? I think some of your units get disbanded. Um, I, thought it was, I, thought it, I thought it started taking away from your science. Oh, no, turn. yeah, that's what it that's did. How, yeah, that's what it did, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and so I fell behind because of that. And it happened because of um, like a bunch of things happened all at once. A couple of volcanoes went off. Um, in addition, um, I think I just 
the one thing I fell flat on when I was trying to catch up in science and in culture, I kind of neglected trade routes. Um, and so like I, I spent a lot of the game with, you know, five trade routes, maybe, um, you know, I didn't get up to like the, you know, I, I think an ideal number is about eight to 10 is that a good number of trade routes. You can have fa- half of them for your domestic trade routes and then the other half for, you know, the foreign trade routes to make a lot of money. Um, you know, with harbors and commercial districts both doing that for you, I think it's really reasonable once your cities get big enough to most of them should have at least a harbor or uh, a commercial district um, to build up those trade route capacities. Um, I average like six trade routes every time we play. I When you said eight to 10, I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that is not a number that I am even close to. I, Do you I, actually average that many trade routes a I game? Try, I try to every game. I try to... Um, um, get up to a, uh, an empire big enough to support that trade route network. And I kind of don't need to expand at that point. That's why I always like having, you know, ideal number for me is like eight cities. That's the ideal number of cities for me. So that would be nine potential trade routes, right? Unless you build like the great Colossus. Yeah. So eight to nine, it's like eight to 10 basically. Cause I would maybe sometimes build a ninth, ninth city or something like that. Um, and usually of the eight cities, like I would expect by the time mid game rolled around that all of them should have double digit population. That's like my usual, like, again, I'm learning the game. So my main focus was learning growth. Like how can I grow everything and just become super rich? Um, and so I was in a position I wasn't used to, which is not making a lot of gold per turn. I, you know, I usually average mid mid game. I usually average like a hundred per turn. Um, for raising Zozo, that's like nothing. This guy makes like 400, 500 gold a turn every game. But he, it's like, crazy. He like hyper focuses on, and he doesn't do any tremendous. You have to remember, like me, I'm splitting them between. So, my normal standard move is I build my second city, I make the trade route. I usually always put the trade route and not from my capital initially. I always do it from okay. my new city so I can build up the production and food so the city grows faster. Um, and so whenever I expand, I always try to move a new trade route to that newly, newly expanded city so I can build up population and production so that it can, and then I, and then I, I routinely move trade routes around as I need to. And so my idea would be, I'm never really building more than two or three cities at a time. Um, and so I only really need strongly about, you know, two to three domestic trade routes. And then I try to focus the rest on the, the foreign ones to try to make the extra gold. Or the extra science as well that, you know, trade with the science um, city states and you get extra science per turn, extra culture um, um, per turn as well. Now, I always have to be careful because um, especially if I'm getting a religion, um, I have to make sure I'm not like trading with someone else's foreign city that has a different religion. It's going to like spread it to my city. That's happened to me a couple of times. I didn't realize it. <laughs> and so I've, I've accidentally passively flipped some of my cities by accident, um, just not paying attention. There's, it just goes goes to show how much moving parts there are to this game that there really is yeah like when you have trade routes with them it exerts both pressures of religion both ways right and i I don't know it's like 0.5 it's not like a crazy amount but over time i guess it kind of does add up and so like you kind of have to just spread uh where you put your trade routes a little bit making sure that you don't always pick the same one and your religions uh, the religion pressures always come back um how do you at what at what point did you think Zoe won the game? Because for me, I, I knew as soon as you started building almost every wonder in the ancient and classical era, I, I knew kind of we were in trouble for sure. 
I kind of felt like it, the odds were in his favor about uh, about halfway through the game. Um, that's when I just that's when I just decided if I can't afford a war with him, then I just gotta beeline it for the science victory because there's no way I can catch up in culture. And that's why I built like I had three cities with over 100 production at one point, and so I was like, I'm gonna build three spaceports. I'm gonna get like all this stuff done um, as soon as possible, and um, and try to beat out the space victory. Now, apocalypse mode. Like, I don't know if the computer hates me, um, but because I got two of my cities like immediately destroyed in apocalypse mode. You were the most unlucky person in this game. Like uh, everything, unlu- if anything unlucky happens, it's always to you in this game and the last game. It was, so, it's actually quite comical. And so um, I was just like, at this point, I'm like, I can't catch up in culture. I can't afford a war with him or at the very least declaring war on him. And Honestly, if I'm going to be 100% honest, if your military strength was a little bit stronger and I thought that for sure you would join the war with me, I would have probably done it. But I felt oh, like... Oh, I didn't know. I, I oh, like, you should have told me. I felt like for sure um, um, if I went to war with him in that game, it was me alone and he probably would have crushed me. And so um, um, just because I couldn't keep up with the, the unit maintenance I needed to maintain a large enough army. Um, and so if you had a, a sizable, not, not like a huge army, but you had like for how long did you have like a hundred strength army like it was like pretty bad uh, I'm, I'm surprised that Zoda didn't just declare war on you and just take you over to be 100 well, honest my production was really bad throughout the entire game as well as my gold was really bad throughout the entire game i had to catch up based everything i had to catch up in science i had to catch up in culture and by the time that i finally got myself settled to do all of that it was already way too late. It was like turn, I don't know what turn it was. It was almost near the end of the game. And I had 91 production or 91 military strength, which is pathetic. Yeah, yeah it's pretty bad. To say the <laughs> least. It's like one unit, if that, maybe. And like, I, uh, you know, I, I still didn't even catch up fully from that. And all I did was focus on building my districts and building my empire. It, it just never really came about. I had I had both of you as allies. I was trading food and production both ways to everybody. That's when I finally kind of got myself back on my feet when I made allies with both of you. But like it was too late. It was yeah. I did what and I could, but it was way too late. I should probably use the chat in the game to kind of communicate to you because I didn't really need you to be like a real threat. I just needed you to pester him a little bit so he had to split his army at least like at least a fifth of his army to like to deal with you the only bad thing is that he could have also reacted highly negatively to us declaring war on him and then just decide to crush you and just fend me off so that would be like the part that might be like the bad part where he might just be like you know what screw you moy and then just try to kill you um because <laughs> i can see him doing that he's my cousin i know that he might do that <laughs> so. I, I i did have a lot of faith though and i had the the government building that allowed me to build faith or yeah, purchase units with faith. And so I was kind of ready if like something happened. I'm like, okay, I can just like buy everything if I need to. Um, if you went in, I would have I would have then probably been like, okay, I need to just, I need to build something. And I would have built a ton of units. Instead, I I made them all rock bands. And you saw how many rock bands I had, right? And the, the units are way cheaper than rock bands. Rock bands are like 600 faith. It's crazy, right? I think that's their attempt to limit them. But both me and Zo had a yeah, lot of a faith lot of output. Them. Yeah. Yeah. He, I don't know what he had, but some of his tiles, I remember I, I peaked, right? Some of his tiles had like 10 faith per turn or something like that. Like his base tile 
And I don't know how that came about. I think that's from his like pantheon or something. I don't know. Oh no, his religion, his religion. Uh, he he built something that gave him plus like big faith. Yeah, like plus in, four or something like that. Um, yeah, because I, I chose the science stuff, right? Part of that as well. Like, yeah, you could have like bought the units with faith and and got back into it. The other thing I was teching to um, behind the spaceports because I had so many cities with so much production, I was teching um, to uh, a nuclear arsenal without telling anybody. Um, and I think I was hoping you were doing that. I was begging you to do that. Yeah, and so I, I was just about to finish my first device um, and my first bomber by the time the game ended. And so Dang. I was waiting for that so that I can just immediately declare war on him. My my airplane was in a place where I think I could have reached his capital. And so I was oh, just Oh man. And so I was just gonna declare war, nuke his capital, and then move in. Um, and so I was ready to do that. Then I was like, oh no, because of the rock bands and all that stuff. I'm like, he's gonna win the culture victory before I'm able to 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 move in on this. And so um I just I ran out of options as the game went on and then the two comets striking my my cities um yeah one hundred percent did that not was... help that. So <laughs> No. Could you imagine though? You just gave me like a brilliant idea. It, so since it's just us three, right? And to win a domination victory, you only need to capture your two capitals. If they're both by or near the coast or near a place where it's easily capturable, you can just build two nukes, nuke both capitals at the same time on the same turn, and capture both of them on the same turn and just suddenly win a domination victory. And that would be the most badass way to win in the yeah. Civ show. You know how like crazy that is? Oh, the game's over in one turn and you had no idea. That would what? work. That would work, yeah. Um, I just think teching to nukes would be the problem, right? Um, and so that that just takes a lot of time. Like you have to get to the late game for that to happen. I'm still waiting for us to tech to the H bomb at one point because we both none of us have done that yet. No, I've never even seen it. I don't know if it's like two tiles or one tile or if if, if it's just a stronger version of the whatever the first one is thermo thermonuclear yeah, thermo device, device. I think yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that even takes out a city like right away. Yeah. Or is that the one that doesn't leave radiation? No, and then the, they the... both do. Oh, they do? Okay. Theoretically, they should both like, um, like when we talk about nukes today, we're all nuclear weapons today are, are uh, hydrogen bombs. Um, they're fusion, really? Yeah, they're fusion-based devices. Um, and so the difference between an H-bomb and an atom bomb is that the first ones that were dropped in World War II, those were fission devices. An H-bomb is a fusion thermonuclear detonation. So in terms of like how much more powerful it is. On the order of like an H -bomb. magnitude of like 10 to 100 times more powerful easily. Holy yeah. moly. It's the difference between a fission reaction and a fusion reaction. A fusion reaction is um, by, like, it converts way more mass to energy than a fission reaction does. So when they do like the the nuclear tests and stuff, like how do they how do they safely test that if it's a hundred like ten to a hundred times more powerful than an atom bomb, which already was a massive speaking, destruction? We didn't test them safely. Um, so <laughs> that's why they don't test them anymore. Um, and so like um, like it took a while. It took like decades for us to like ban high altitude testing. They used to they used to detonate them in the atmosphere basically. Um, oh. and so like the, the USSR and the United States had to sign one of the salt treaties to basically ban um, um, high altitude nuclear testing. Um, and so that 
yeah, uh, and also they had to they banned um, 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 space testing as well, like just blowing them up in space. Um, and so that 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 is like where it happened. We did not test them safely. Um, there's a lot of still radioactive fallout in a lot a lot of places around the world because of this. Um, you know, um, when you talk about how many weapons have been tested, the Soviets um, they usually tested their weapons underground, so they would just bury it like thousands of feet underground and just detonate it um, like how nuclear reactors do that now when they're done with the uranium right yeah like, like they bury it underground in, in like this pool in right? a sink yeah in the sink yeah yeah now the okay. united states doesn't do that because they don't have a place where they all agree they can bury it a lot of fuel rods in the united states just stay in the plant that they were used in um, <laughs> what? yeah and so that's a it's a big problem i know we're not talking about civilization anymore when we're talking about that but yes h-bombs are many magnitudes uh, more um, powerful than a fission nuclear device, which is the ones that were used in, in World War II, the uh, um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Um, and so, and the SAR Obama, which is the, the most uh, powerful device ever created by the, by the, by the Russians, um, ha- is 100 megatons detonation <laughs> yield. Um, remember in Fallout when the town was called Megaton and it had a nuclear bomb right in the middle? Have you played that one, Fallout 3? No, I haven't. No. Oh, dude, it was so good. I know that off topic, but I uh, mentioned the, to Vector Cat. Uh, check out Eric uh, Schlosser's book, Command and Control, for more on that. Really interesting stuff. I will check that out. I, I do like books on this kind of history of this kind of stuff because we used to do some shady stuff when it came to testing um, um, these weapons. Like we used to, the US military wanted to know whether or not you can order soldiers into radioactive fallout. And so they would detonate weapons and then tell soldiers to march towards the mushroom cloud. What in the world? Oh, dude, that would not stand today. Oh my gosh. What was, when it, was this? Like in the in, 50s? Yeah, in the like, 50s. Uh, so ignorance, oh my ignorance goodness. was kind of like the thing. No one really knew how dangerous these weapons were. Man, oh, so yeah, in Fallout, there's a town. It's like the first town you go to after you get out of the vault. Um, it's called Megaton. And in the middle of it is this giant atom bomb. And so you go to it and you can defuse it. Like you can go, if you, if you have like science skill, I think it is like high enough, you can go ahead and defuse this bomb and like everybody loves you and the town exists. Or you can play the evil mastermind and go and uh, arm the bomb. And then you can go like way in a town really, really far away. And then you detonate it and you watch the entire town explode into this huge mm-hmm. uh, mushroom cloud. And it's really, really cool. You can go back to it later and like it's full of radiation and like you, you start taking damage when you're there. But then there's like some survivors, but they turn into the to this uh, race called like the, un, or the ghoul. They're called ghouls, like undead, essentially. It's a fallout. Okay. undead version of undead and like they, they, it, it's cool it's really cool so yeah, when, man, when you really, said like 100 really megatons uh that just reminded me of that. we're talking about civilization and now we're talking about like nuclear weapons and stuff gaming um, is gaming is gaming right it yeah. doesn't it doesn't matter it's all um, it's all fun and games uh but yeah uh so that's what my goal was with 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 uh Zoe. like i was like i'm gonna lose the game anyway might as well go <laughs> for the hail mary pass why not right yeah, build a nuclear bomb. Yeah, I mean, I'm waiting for the day that somebody do, does it. Maybe, maybe uh, I don't know. I don't know if this week if anyone can do it. Uh, you'll you'll find out soon enough at the end of the show when we reveal the new civilizations. But uh, I don't I don't know if I don't know if anyone us any one of us will get there. I think I think the game might end a little earlier. Yeah, usually, and I I always want to know like because it's a, again we we talked about the security dilemma last week. 
right? Um, if we all start developing nuclear weapons, it's a good exercise in, in whether or not it's a deterrence, right? And so um, I remember me just simply threatening Zoe in one game that I would nuke him if he had his, he had a rock band heading towards my, my. Yeah, I remember my, that. Yeah. I was like, I'm like, I'm like Zoe. If that rock band crosses my border, I'm going to nuke you. And I don't even care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and he had such a high military strength compared to you. And he's like, okay, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm out of he, here. Turns, he turns around and like drives away. I'm like, oh, wow, that worked. I, I wasn't even close to building one yet. Oh, so funny, man. And then also like when in the in the diplomatic votes, I can't remember what it's called, the uh, World Congress. Once one person has a nuclear bomb, you can vote where everybody has the equal amount to whoever has a nuclear bomb. So if you have two, then everybody has two. And then and then there's this whole new conflict where we can be like, I'll nuke you. No, I'm gonna nuke you. No, I'm gonna nuke you more. That would be a good episode. We should definitely we should definitely do that. Maybe we start a game in a modern age, we make it longer, like standard uh, turn time. So it's oh, like yeah, a longer age. That way we would see that would be cool. Stuff. Yeah, that would be oh, cool. We idea. can just do modern age marathon and then just like pick every modern age civilization. That would be sick. Yeah, oh, I, I, would, I have I an idea of what I want to do next. Okay, so whoever wins the next game, I guess we'll decide that, right? So maybe we also have to throw in a uh, a community a community game with um with as many people as we can in that one sitting, and then just begin and end the game in that one sitting. Kind of, we we normally end a game in one sitting, right? Yeah, it gets it goes pretty quickly. So we well, would probably turn on turn on turn timers and we've had and a stuff. couple games where we're just like, yeah, it's pretty obvious, like blank one. Blank's never me, but it's pretty obvious that someone won and we just don't want to play it out because it, it would wait. It would take another session to get to that point, but we already know the person ran far enough ahead with the game that it's just not worth yeah. it. And it's not, it's not entertaining for anyone to watch us just kind of like go through the motions because we already know we can't catch up or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to take a little bit of a break here and we're going to go into our next sec section where we're going to rank our last week's civilizations inside of our exclusive Civ Show tier list. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Welcome back to the Civ Show podcast, a podcast about everything Civ. We suck, so you don't have to. We're going to be ranking our last played civilizations in our tier list. So let me pull up here if you're on Twitch and watching this live or on YouTube watching this later. Uh, I'm going to be pulling up a visual of our Civ show tier list. As a reminder, I'm going to be going through what we have here so far. So in S tier, we have Grand Colombia and Germany. In A tier, we have Maya and Macedonia. In B tier, we have Persia, Ottomans, and Brazil. And that's all we have currently. And we're going to be ranking Japan, Khmer, and China. Nystagmus, what did you think about Japan? I think Japan's a great civilization, uh, honestly, in this game. Um, you know, and again, my criteria for S, A, B, C, all those tiers is how many paths to victory do I have? Is my civilization only geared for a type of victory or is it multiple victories? And the one type of bonus that you can get that allows you to have multiple versions or multiple um, victory paths is if you ever get anything that gives you a bonus of production, right? So just like the Germans, the Japanese do get something that gives them a bonus of production, um, which is the electronics factory. Um, which is actually pretty powerful in the late game. Um, and so um, that's one thing that gives them like a, a good notch, right? So they're great in the late game because the electronics factory gives them good production so that they can move towards that science victory um, or towards a more dominant military victory as time goes on. 
In addition, their special unit is very useful if it comes out at a time where you're ex looking to expand. In our game, I never got to use the samurai mainly because we all ended up on our own islands. Um, and like it, it's just a very niche unit, but the samurai is actually a very powerful melee unit that's available to the Japanese. Um, in my computer games, it was it was like almost unstoppable. Um, like as soon as like it, it didn't um, lose any combat ability as it got injured, and so they just continue to fight no matter what. Um, and then um, you know with all these different pathways, I definitely put them in the higher up. Now I haven't really. I'm not for 100% sold that they're an S-tier civilization. I do think that they have a lot of weaknesses in the early game that don't allow them to kind of like uh, necessarily become super dominant. I, I see S-tier as like, you know, dominant, very dominant civilizations. And so I give Japan a very solid A-tier. Um, they have multiple um, uh, paths to victory um, and they have very powerful uh, special units and their unique building gives them the production required like again, I got a bunch of cities over 100 production fairly easily, um, and that allows you just to win that space race that much easier. You know, I was at the point where I was building the spaceport in five turns. I built the um, the moon mission in ten, right? Like nothing really all that that to sneeze at really wasn't really all that hard. Um, and so um, that that's the kind of way I I, I kind of play it. So I give it a solid A tier um, for the Japanese. Yeah, I, I would actually agree with that. I think they're not quite the S tier because even I, I understand that almost what we qualify as S tier is that they have multiple paths to victory. Like you said, um, Japan also, ha they have that. They have those multiple paths to victory with their ability to, um, I think it's plus 100% production on holy sites, yeah. district squares, and theater what was the last one? So they have a culture victory because they can build a ton of theater squares. Um, because they get they can build it half the time, they can have a religious victory because they get a lot of faith and can build holy sites in half the time, um, and uh, uh, they get production bonus from their special from their special building. Um, yeah, and that production bonus all, would also help them with a lot of wonders. When those wonders also generate tourism, it also just fixes like it, it provides so many bonuses if you build them that many now, wonders. Granted, the reason why I didn't put them in S tier is that if that electronics factory was something that gave them the extra production way earlier on then yeah that would punch them into the s tier because i can't really build wonders there's not a lot of wonders available again by the time i get the electronics factory it's really just to help with that space race um and so um if i had something that like the germans the hansa is something that you get pretty like mid game-ish whereas the japanese you don't get your electronics factory up, up and running until late game usually um and so that's the kind of knock against that, and and, it, and it's helped to you know for you to get more wonders or tourism and stuff like that. And so, it's a very um, narrow scope of when it's used. It's, you have to get to the late game in order to be able to use that electronics factory. Yeah, it's it's kind of like Grand Colombia. It, it their 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 uh, peak is in the industrial zone. It's kind of like when that's when japan gets that special building is in the industrial zone and so like it is a lot later the only difference is grand columbia can really steamroll in the, in the industrial zone they're unstoppable whereas japan yeah. just gets one building right so like that i think that that's the difference i know that you can kind of make that argument with grand columbia and be like yo they get theirs they get their units a lot later too but they also get a great general every time a new era starts. And they also get plus one movement, no matter what the hell the unit is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they have multiple special units. They get plus one movement from the very beginning. 
Um, instead of Japan only gets the plus one movement and combat ability in, in the coastal area. Um, and uh, during apocalypse mode, being immune to hurricanes is actually pretty awesome. Um, but, um, I'm super jealous, um, by the way. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but it just, you know, there wasn't enough in that early to mid game that um, really puts him into that S tier category. Still a very powerful um, civilization to command in, in this game, though. Very fun to play, to be honest. Yeah, they. I think the Samurai is a really fun unit, too, and it's unfortunate that you didn't get a chance to use it. Um, having, like, if you survive with two health, that's when they're most value because they have to spend that extra turn trying to kill it. If it's with a melee unit, anyway. They have to spend an extra turn to kill it and take full damage back. There's almost... Whenever you're fighting a Samurai, if you're fighting with a melee unit, you're almost going to be guaranteed that that melee unit is going to die no matter what. Even if the samurai yeah. dies, that melee unit is gonna die because they're that powerful. Um, moving on to the Khmer of Cambodia, um, I originally when I when we, when we went into this game, I went in with confidence. I thought I didn't play that many practice games, but I I played a little bit, and I played it to a point where I set up my farms around the aqueduct and went, wow, this is a lot of food. This is gonna be a great civilization, and I quit. So I didn't discover that you couldn't handle that much food output. I never got to that point. And so finally in the Civ show, when I got to mid game and I had 10 population, but only like seven housing, I was like, I'm producing way too much food that I can't support it. Having three more population than your housing is incredibly hard to do, might I add. Right, getting one more population than your housing is hard to do. Getting three is insane. So I had a ton of food and nowhere to put them. As soon as I got neighborhoods, and maybe I should have focused on culture more. And and my down part of my downfall was when I picked a religion, I picked the one that gave me bonus food. I should have picked the one that gave oh, me bonus that's culture. Just, that's just like adding gasoline onto a fire. Right, there. right. that's kind of what I want. I had in mind of like I want to have so much food that my population is crazy. But in my stupid tiny peanut sized brain i i didn't think about the housing and so my people were living on the streets uh they couldn't survive out there so um yeah i mean uh java yarman was good at building aqueducts i don't know how good he was at building houses so i think i pretty accurately historically played my character <laughs> um the 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 their unique unit what is it what is it called uh the the domri i didn't get a chance to play it in this game, I barely built a military in this game, uh, let alone even trying to get that unit. I got that unit maybe when you guys got flight. It was crazy slate. Um, but I did use it when I was playing against the CPUs. And my opinion on the unit, they're strong, but not at the same time. It's really weird. How you described the samurai, where it was this weird in-between of swordsmen and musketmen, that's exactly where this Domri lies, in this weird space between catapults and bombards. So they're better than catapults, but they're not better than bombards. And the really crappy thing about it is you can't upgrade from catapults to a Domri. Oh, so yeah, as soon as yeah. you research them, yeah, as soon as you research them, you need to produce as many as you can to get them out. So you can't do the whole Zoe technique of building a bunch of catapults for cheap and then buying them all later. That's not possible, which sucks because you could plan out this siege 
during catapults, but no, not with not with Kemir. So that really brings the value of that unit down tremendously. The value you get from it is the fact that they can move and shoot on the same turn. So instead of building ranged units, you would just build these siege units. They do cost more. That sucks, but that's kind of the price that you pay for their versatility. Uh, their unique building is really good in single player because they don't care about theological combat and you can just sacrifice your missionary into whatever the hell territory you want and it'll die however when you're playing humans they're not that stupid and they have big brains galaxy brains and they won't go into theological combat with you so that proves useless <sighs> Then you have the whole aqueduct thing. The aqueduct thing is actually really good. I just misplayed it and that's my fault. Um, aqueducts, I've kind of learned, are a lot better than I thought. Uh, you, same with dams and canals. They all give that plus two adjacency bonus to your industrial zones. And so the more of those you can build, the better your industrial zone can be. Uh, I learned that now. So I, I do try to build dams whenever I can, but this game I didn't because I, I took aqueducts instead so unfortunate there um given all of that i know that was a lot but given all of that i would rank these guys i don't want to rank these guys at f tier because they're not they're definitely not f tier because there's a victory path like there's a clear victory path uh it's really only one or two it's either a very very early culture victory with the amount of if you produce culture from your faith unlike me being a moron um there's a culture victory that you can do very early. Uh, then there's the obvious religious victory that you can do if you can build a military with it. So I misplayed them. So I don't think they're F tier, even though I played them like an F tier sieve. I do, however, still think they're down there. And so I'm going to put them as a D tier uh, just from the almost lackluster of every part of their civilization, every unique part of their civilization, except the aqueducts. And because since those aqueducts are, are pretty good, uh, I'm going to put them as, as D instead of F. And they, and they still have those two victory paths that are very, very um, ob obtainable. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I didn't want to rank them like too low F tier or anything like that. But uh, um, I agree with the, the idea behind them being a, a D tier civilization. Oh, look who came just in time. Welcome, Raising Zozo, once he loads his video onto Discord here. We're, you're just in time, though. Um, we're about to rank China, and since you played China, you need uh, to get, let's hear your opinion on the Chinese Empire. So, China. Uh, when I first practiced with China on my own, um, I found it very difficult. Uh, and I kept getting defeated. Um, and then I did a little research and looked at some 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 good strategies. And I now believe that they are, in fact, very good. But you just need to know how to use them. Um, so they're um, a very interesting sieve uh, that their ability pretty much as long as you can build uh and i made a list of my goals and i had like you know i want to make sure i build the pyramids and then a couple other things pyramids being the number one uh they essentially can get up to like eight builder actions 
per builder. The wonders have a tendency to snowball. Uh, and uh, that's what happened. And I, I got ahead of you guys. I think that uh, unlike other civilizations that can be a little bit maybe terrain dependent, uh, they're not so much except for that have, wanting to have one city that has at least one desert tile. Because if yeah, you can get <laughs> pyramids, right? <laughs> if you can get the pyramids. Once I had the pyramids, I had like in the ancient era, because I built the pyramids pretty rapidly. I had that my workers are making having like five, six charges. Very interesting sieve. Uh, I always felt China was like only good in the like the ancient classical like and then they started petering off. I think I maintained for most of that game a golden age. And I think I had one dark age um, and then I, I was able to recover from it. Uh, and, you know, in part, that's the the nature of them being able to build their ancient wonders. That's part of it. I, I just suggest when you first play them in the ancient times, get yourself three good cities. And uh, after you've built your, because it's only for classic and ancient wonders, um, then go nuts with the expansion. Uh, and uh, and I did. And then I shot for science victory and I got culture victory. So uh, I, I would agree with, um, I think it was uh, Thinking Nut, uh, was the guy that I read, uh, he had some great notes on them, that they are a complex civilization that you have to like sort of understand uh, a couple components of the game. So they're not maybe for the maybe not best for like the new player. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I really like them. They still, though, have a bit of situationality to them because one in the ancient classic era, they're very like if if you guys were aggressive or were beside me, I would have had a hard time fending you off. So if you if you had rushed me early, definitely uh, that that would have been a weakness. And if you can't get some of those key wonders, you basically, you know, the their main advantage is is moot. But I was able to get them all. So just you have to look at the terrain that you've got. Make sure that you can build the wonders in the right places. Uh, you know, you want the great library, make sure that you have a flat place beside wherever you build your campus and, and so on and so forth. Um, and then, yeah, I guess just getting that plus one chart throughout the game for workers, it does make a big difference. So I, I'd give them A tier, uh, maybe B, but I, and that's only because every time I practiced with them, I did such crap. And it wasn't until like I really did some research and looked into why they can actually be a lot of garbage and it's a lot of new mistakes you make with them so but with every sieve you should take a look at sieve wiki and take a look at some suggested strategies they're usually really good advice that's kind of a good point though where you've had you struggled when you played your practice games maybe mm -hmm. mainly because uh for single player games the computers if i don't know what your difficulty was but they have like that bonus production right but it brings up a good point where you know how to play your civilization but we didn't know how to counter it. And so maybe from now on, it's like as soon as you see China, it's almost a, a race to pyramids. Like you can't let China have these pyramids. So maybe I, I like that you said that because now I have to think about not only what does my civ do, like what do your civs do? And like how do, how do I make sure that you don't get your bonus against me? So where would you where would you overall rank them? You said A or B. So which I, one would I you said pick? I said if they're a if you know what you're doing so if you're a more experienced civ player i'd give them an a if you if you're newer to the game and there's some other concepts that you're not too familiar with uh they are a bit complex uh so 
it's it, I think they're an A if you know what you're doing, but they're probably B C C or B if you if you don't know what you're doing. Um, your all of your bonuses are I'm gonna say they're kind of snowball dependent, so that meaning that they have to start small and then they get really big later on, uh, which is very true for culture, right? A lot of you know you're getting that stuff early and it gets bigger, 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 bigger as you go. If I had not had that stuff at the beginning, I would have been in a lot of trouble. Things like the Great Wall, you have to use them properly. Uh, it's not something you just go build everywhere. Uh, so it's just those little things because in in a lot of ways. They can end up being a sieve that actually has the only bonus they have is their workers get plus one charge if you play, <laughs> if you play them wrong. If you play them wrong, um, so I went all out with wonders. I was like, as soon as I could, I you know I got the government that gives you worker bonus and gives you or sort of makes your workers cheaper and makes your wonders cheaper. The pantheon, I went wonders make cheaper. Um, Man, so you're you getting can, those wonders out so quick. Then, if you had all of those bonuses, I, I, I and you got it's only the ancient and classical wonders, but some of the best wonders in the game are ancient classical wonders. Apadena right? being one of them for Apodena. sure. So I built. So that was a big one for me too, because we play with uh, ten city states. I built the Apadema, and for those of you not familiar with it, it's every time you build a wonder. Uh, you get uh, two um, emissaries or whatever. Envoys. Um, envoys. Envoys to city-states. So I more or less had like six city-states that were my best buddies that game, um, which ends up getting you all sorts of crazy bonuses. Um, and then on top of that, I with my religion, I, I took the uh, plus four faith per wonder. So I ended up having this a, a crazy amount of faith and with all the golden ages, I was able to buy workers with faith and buy oh settlers with faith. So many workers. So I I think at one point, I don't know. I think my my power was way ahead of you guys. Um, I think Japan was the only real threat, and that was when he he because he kind of got battleships faster than I thought he would. <laughs> yeah, and I and I got the Venetian arsenal too. <laughs> and he got the Venetian Ar- Venetian arsenal. Um, but then he didn't use them against me. So I was like, oh, all right. You're telling me my 91 military strength was not a threat to you. I am offended. No. I'm offended. The, the, the most, <laughs> the most hostile part of that entire game was when I almost declared war on you because you wouldn't let me pass with my crossbowmen. Uh, and it, it was, oh. that was the, as close as we came to conflict that game. So you could have asked for the world and I probably I would have had to give it to you. You know I, what I mean? I, I, you could have made a Trek offer. I, and I'd be like, I can't. I have to comply. I offered you two amenities and for an open border. And uh, <laughs> and that was as close as we ended up coming to war. Uh, and I, Because I would have crushed you. <laughs> I just don't understand why I, you didn't want me in your land. I didn't. We, I didn't get it. It was there was there was no logical reason. It was just that I wanted to bully you i i I felt it i felt it i'm not i'm not letting you you did though the only fighting that happened at all and that's not a bad thing in civ you can have you can have you have a game where there's no fighting it was still interesting was when i tried to i was open i'm like yeah i'm just gonna try and convert your cities and you very very quickly (laughs) uh turned me around with uh your swarm of of uh invincible um missionaries i was so, so ready apostles. i was so ready with those missionaries man i think i made them too strong though i think i made them too scary and you just backed off i think i should have made them weaker so, so i can get those relics and then i could have yeah. actually fought with maybe a tourism battle with you that's my fault though so you were i don't know i think 
you were so far behind in everything that was uh, that, uh, you know, that it's probably the worst civilization for you to use. Not the worst, not the absolute worst, but yeah, down maybe, there, definitely maybe down Georgia there. or something might be worse, but uh, yeah, <laughs> not not a good, like you had a power, a, a, a military strength of zero at one point. I, like, yeah, I did. I, I sacrificed all of my units to the gods. I figured since my military is so low, it doesn't really make a difference, right? I may as well just sacrifice them. See what I, I get. I like the map type. It's just next time, do it on dual. Uh, but I also, I did like having all the city states. So yeah, China, if you know what you're doing, I'm going to give it an A. If you don't know what you're doing, it's like a C class. If you don't know what you're doing, you'll you're, you'll get defeated. And uh, like their um, they're hidden tire, they're crouching tiger guys. Very cool. Uh, very limited. You're not using them to go to war. You're using them purely for defensive purposes. Their wonder ability only lasts for the first few eras. Um, and then their uh, their special building, the 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 the, the wall. It's it's great if you start in a bunch of desert because desert's usually useless. So that was the one cool thing. I built the Petra and I had all of these squares that I was just like, yeah, all right, let's just everywhere I can. I built, uh, you know, um, I built the uh, the Great Wall. Yeah, um, made them and useful. That made it yeah. well with Petra as well. So they're they were making like a bunch of food, a bunch of production, a bunch of money. A bunch That's of insane, culture. man. That's crazy. Yeah. All right, so we're going to be taking a small break and going into our third section. We're going to be talking about Apocalypse Mode and what we think about it, as well as revealing the theme and the civilizations for next week. So sit your butt down. Don't go anywhere because we will be right back. Welcome back to the Civ Show podcast, podcast about everything civilization. We suck so you don't have to. Yeah, right on. So let's talk about Apocalypse Mode, shall we? We've played it, I think, for three weeks now. We played it uh, three times in a row. And we've basically had a different result every single time. And why don't we talk about what our opinions on on, on the mode are the like soothsayers, the new natural disasters, the amount of natural disasters, and the severity of them as well. Um, who wants to kick this off? Man, that late game gets like super stressful um, when the apocalypse mode like kicks in. Uh, that's the main thing. I like, um, I think my favorite like tweet out um, that when you know because they've been asking for feedback is someone put in like someone in the shower just rocking back and forth in the late game because like comets strike like every turn solar flares that hit and destroy like everything um we we missed it in the last game but right before zoe won the culture victory a solar flare hit and i hit the one more turn and every one of my factories was destroyed every one of my campuses was destroyed um and half my battleships were gone Everything that requires wow. power, everything so, that requires everything power that requires gets power. destroyed. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was like solar flare is way more devastating than it lets on. Um, I know the comets make, you know, make, you know, they're very funny and fun to watch when they destroyed, you know, two of my cities before they destroyed anyone else's. But, um, <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, that, that late game gets pretty like, you're like, you're like, um, Going, okay come on please man don't don't hit one of my cities i had i had no <laughs> yeah. stress man i did not care if that thing hit my city i'm like go ahead i have nothing to lose here <laughs> yeah when you're well i, I think uh, <laughs> someone made that comment too and i and i think we've made that comment a couple times that it becomes a a weapon in a way 
that uh, you just don't care about your emissions. You're like, yeah, let's melt the planet. I'm losing this game. I'm going to bring in comets as a weapon. That I made and, that comment on on the yeah. on the feedback, yeah. <laughs> and I did that I did that too like when we the first one we did apocalypse mode when I was losing. I was like, well, okay, I guess uh, let's let's melt the planet. Um <laughs> so it, it makes it that, you know, you guys know I was I think one of the first among us that like uh a few games ago, uh I'd already got computers and then like I, I raised all my barriers and then started polluting and I didn't care. And I think it was the nystagmus couldn't get his barriers up because he got the tech too late. Um, and it kept taking like the turns get, went higher and higher and higher. Uh, that's happened to me like every single game in apocalypse mode so far. I've had I've lost on average two cities to flooding. Oh. <laughs> and truthfully, I was starting I was starting to utilize that tactic. Like I, I was starting to ru- get computers and then start polluting. Like I, I'd wait until I got computers and then I'd start coal factories and not caring. Uh, <laughs> You're straight you evil, guys, man. You guys would get flooded. And, you know, I think that's a legit, that, that's a sieve tab. But yeah, now with this yeah. apocalypse mode, it's like, oh, okay. I guess my flood barrier is not going to protect me from that. No. Um, so it, it, it makes it that, you know, that, that end game gets very rushed. And like you said, I agree. Like I was, I was nervous too. And I, I lost a city. I think you lost a city. Um, and, uh, and the, and the one thing too, I felt how quickly your memory fades. It's like, what was there before? I can't remember what was there before. Was, was there a city there? Did, did I just lose a city? Yeah. It's like, um, it's some like type it of leader on, you are. It takes on the same lore as like yeah. the uh, great city of Atlantis. Like, Hey man, one of the city states got hit by a comet. Which one? Preslav. What's Preslav? I don't remember Preslav. Who's Preslav? <laughs> like, <laughs> could, could you imagine if like Justin Trudeau, a comet strikes on like, uh, Toronto and be like, who? What? What city? I, I don't remember them. What are you talking about? Maybe not Toronto, but like maybe a smaller town, like Saskatoon. Who? Who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would be devastating. That's the type of leader that you did. That's you, though. You're like, who? Like, what city died? Ah, yeah, who cares? The first, like, <laughs> the first like three comets destroyed city states. And uh, yeah. until I'm like, hey, I lost, I lost the city state. I, I felt like I was the one who was like paying attention for it, right? I was like, hey guys, I know the yeah. comet hit and it hit a city state, and I was like, what city state? I didn't number a city state there. There's just a crater there right now. I'm like, well, yeah, before the crater was there, there was a city state, and so <laughs> you traded with it a lot. <laughs> what about uh, soothsayers? Uh, for me, I find them a little lackluster, mainly because you have to actually like travel i guess to the land and like you can't like it's obviously super suspicious where you are and like you can't just like go to other people's land and just do a soothsayer as like a secret way unless you get the promotion that makes them invisible then you might get away with it i think um a better way to implement this is it's kind of like a second spy or maybe have spies have an additional mission that creates a natural disaster i mean if you're gonna make up something like a soothsayer you may as well make up something that a spy can do too right i mean why not and so I feel like that's a better way to do it because then you can secretly sabotage other people. But what happened? Can a spy sabotage like a nuclear power plant? I think so, yeah. Uh, not a nuclear power Oh, no, yeah, they can. It's just very unlikely. It's very unlikely they succeed. It's like 40% or something like that. It's, it's super that, rare. That, you and I have very different definitions of very unlikely. 40% is like almost one in then, two. Then, then okay, <laughs> the rest of the... It's because the rest of the missions are so high. I have a... F- I have a feeling in the in the, I think it's the uh, I want to say this the August patch the the third one I think is the secret societies 
The second um, one, yeah, August, yeah. So I think when we see Secret Societies, I think we're going to see a mode that has extra things for things like the Soothsayer and the and the Apostle and the Spy, where it'll be like there's this whole underworld of options going on. Um, so I think the Soothsayer is just starting, and I think it's going to evolve. Um, I did try the... Um, I tried invoking the flood. Uh, I, I I don't. I think they might have fixed it because I don't because I had the bath, uh, the great bath, and it didn't. I don't think it did, did anything. Uh, and then when the comet started, I had so much faith. I bought like seven soothsayers, and I just was like using them for no reason. And I was just like, maybe there's an algorithm that if you <laughs> use the soothsayers, they they go it goes somewhere else. And then naturally, that's when one of my cities died. And I was like, nope, nope. <laughs> that, that did absolutely nothing. Definitely uh, not. But for a couple turns, for a couple turns, I felt that it was working. Because it was like, <laughs> oh, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. I think, I think the soothsayers like lose their ability really in the end game because it's just like starting random super disasters, right? Um, right. Yeah. I, honestly, I like the whole peace the gods thing or the suit stairs. I don't really use them. I don't really, you know, um, you know, disasters happen enough in Apocalypse mode that it like it doesn't seem like it's necessary. Like, yeah, um, yeah, you're right. Um, like you know, volcanoes erupt like all the time, and volcanoes have like these mega eruptions too that destroy like cities next to the other city that's next to the volcano, and um rivers flood all the time and blizzards and dust storms and hurricanes um like uh Paco's mode i think rotates between being kind of really cool and then also being like super irritating um mm-hmm. right like, yes um you can sometimes luck out by having like a volcano that erupts like twice and then goes dormant for the rest of the game um and then you have all this like awesome uh production and, and farms but you get one that erupts like I've had in practice games. I've had one that erupts like every third turn, and it just makes yeah. It- I and I, I agree. Like I, I agree with that that assessment. I think it's very disproportionate. Like the way that they erupt. I had I had in that game one volcano never erupted, and then one was always erupting. There, there is a chance that they go dormant. So you might have had that chance where it went dormant. Maybe you missed the notification for it as well. But it, there is chance. There's a chance. There is. Um, one thing they could do, I think they should do for Apocalypse Mode, because they did comets, right? So we're doing comets and solar flares. Why not do one that like something that almost literally ended human life on this planet? And that's have a super volcano eruption. And that right. like, something that would obliterate like a continent or something like that. What in the world? That would obliterate an entire civilization. Oh my gosh. Well, it's, a, it's <laughs> apocalypse mode, right? Like it's supposed to end the game. There's so there's there. There's a couple. Of, I think the easiest thing for super volcano uh, would be to have like two volcanoes basically envelop like all the hexes around them, so anything there, and then everything around them gets destroyed. Like it's just a long range, like just path of destruction. And if your city, if there's any city within like ten squares of this, they're gone. They're just. Um, but but then also have but also have that I'd like to see with volcanoes in general. Why are they not creating land? It should be when they erupt that the coast, the coast, I think the coast should expand by at least one hex, at least one hex nearby. And it should allow that new land can pop up in 
water. That'd be cool. And then I think that'd be um, really cool. Like the yeah. example for like what you can do with the super volcano too, because the Yellowstone Park is probably the most famous super volcano on the planet. Right. Um, Cause it's due. Yeah, and it, it doesn't, it doesn't have a mountain. It, when it last erupted, it completely obliterated itself. Um, Holy and so crap. there is wow. no, there is wow. no mountain that smokes or anything like that. It's just, it's just uh, the caldera underneath is the only thing that's intact. Um, and so um, like I think a super volcano eruption would be do would do. I like to see whether or not volcanoes like add to the CO two in the atmosphere and like make it worse or something. Um, I agree. I agree. Um, those these like just little things like that. Um, Alpacaismo is a very interesting idea. Um, I just wish they make some tweaks to it to make it a um, more fun and less annoying because some volcanoes are just not worth even settling near because they just keep destroying whatever you built there. They did say. Um that the other game modes are more likely to be a regular in your games. They do. They did acknowledge that this one is a little bit strange. And I, one of the developers on Twitter did say um, the, the other game modes are more likely to be like more friendly. They're not going right. to destroy the and, world. And, and incorporated. Yeah. And then again, some people might turn around and say, man, you're playing a game mode that's called Apocalypse. Why are you expecting like stuff not to right. happen, right? And so, right. Right. <laughs> um, and so uh, there's that argument too that it's meant to be like annoying, like you get hit by hurricanes like all the time or whatever, right? And so, yeah, I think the developers are just having fun and just made apocalypse mode. I I think it it would be neat if in apocalypse mode they had that oh your overall game of of Civ. Okay, so take a step back from I'm playing this game of Civ. It's your game of Civ package, okay? That every so often, if you have Apocalypse Mode on, there is uh, a chance in that game, all right? But this would be statistically like one in every five games would have, say, the Super Volcano, okay? Um, And that the Super Volcano does something really, really, really devastating. Um, Like, I'd even like to see something where, like, say all the coal and oil reserves that are on the map, they all just start, they all ignite and they're just burning. And, and it's just every turn until they're put out or something like that, CO2 levels go up. Uh, and it's just like you said, with a mass extinction event, uh, you know, stuff like that, where it's like, well, let's see how they deal with this. Uh, <laughs> I really like the idea of bringing climate into the game. I think they just focused way too much on the flooding. Um, like where you know other things they could do that would make it more realistic for climate change would be like desertification like deserts just grow right, right? like um, in former games yeah and so that that would be another thing they, they, in this one they just made droughts happen more often but not just droughts like make like forests like can become desert and stuff and make it more arid um and so like that would be kind of cool too because honestly like you could flood the world in like less than like a hundred turn or less than 50 turns, like the world floods completely. <laughs> like it's crazy. And I, I, and I, and I think for them, uh, for the developers, there was definitely a, a struggle with the apocalypse mode that they, they had to worry about, like it had to keep the game still fun and be devastating. You can get a very wary, like you can have flood after flood after flood happen, for instance, early on. And now that a flood's not just a flood anymore. A flood will damage your units. A, a flood will damage your buildings. A flood will will kill your non-military units. Okay, it'll kill weak military units, but it'll wash away. Oh, you had a builder there working a farm. Oh, well the farm's gone. 
and so is the builder. Um, <laughs> you just, you know, and you that, just built a cellar that took its first step away from your city. Now it's dead. It's yeah, like, it's, gone. Later. it's gone. It's wiped downstream. So that's really brutal. And it and and and, I, and I've had games where it's happened like multiple times, when, when, and it, you get when I was Grand Columbia, like my very first settler I built died immediately because it walked in and a hurricane came and killed it. The other thing I think that another thing I think would be cool um, for apocalypse mode if they brought in um, biological things, so like a plague, which I know is kind of, you know, I don't think they want to do it during COVID nineteen or anything like that. Obviously. <laughs> other people did mention it though. They mentioned it, and also earthquake and tsunamis were really popular uh, mentioned as an addition to natural disasters. Yeah, and I'm sure they will. Um, you know, the I remember with Civilization four. Um, I really got into this mod for it called Civ Civilization Realism. Uh, so Civ 4, Realism, and in it, it was Civ 4, like it looked like Civ 4, uh, but the graphics were much better defined. And it had a really crazy feature, which was the plague. And how the plague would work is that every, every like era, more or less, a plague would strike your cities. And it would spread very rapidly across the entire world. Uh, and it would it would stay around for many turns and and you it would just decimate the population and it would kill units and this would constantly happen and it made it like it made the game really really hard that that you know this 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 feature in it um but uh the difficulty that that game civ realism presented is how i kind of felt with the the civ uh uh, apocalypse mode so final thought on the apocalypse mode yes okay or no o over overall i like it i've yeah i think it's like eh, it's okay I, i'm i look forward to the other ones though if this is like the first step and they say the other ones are gonna be uh are gonna stay most likely in your game i, I give this an okay and I, but it makes me look forward to what they have in store um i i say okay uh we didn't add that you know, the Japanese, that was kind of neat that they had a civilization that is immune to a natural yeah, disaster. Yeah, Russia, too, with blizzards, right? They're immune um, to and blizzards. And Russia with, with, with blizzards. So I think that's neat if they if they could incorporate more play. Um, I'd love to see some kind of policy card that, like, if you lose, like, a unit to a natural disaster or a settler or something like that, you get a relic. It's just like, oh, yes, the, this they were swept, swept away by the great river goddess and... Uh, you know, something uh, kind of neat like that, because it's a gamble uh, that uh, you'd have a natural disaster strike at any time. But then you'd probably have soothsayers. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll cause you a so you can you can get this whatever. So anyways, I, I, I like it. Uh, keep keep it up. OK, so let's let's move on to the reveal uh, of the new civilizations that we, we will be playing next week. Let's go over to the screen for the people on Twitch. Uh, let's take it away with Nystagmus. Can you tell us who you're playing this week and just a little bit about them? Have a bit of a chat. Should we start with the format? Sorry. So, yeah. So, Zoe, take it away with what, what is the okay. format? Just so Nystagnus' intro uh, to add to it. So I won the game uh, as China. So I chose, we're going to do a, a battle for uh, South or for the Americas, but we're doing no, no Europeans in this. Um, so it's just going to be actual uh, North American civilization or North and South American civilizations. And uh, I lifted the normal restriction is that once we've played a sieve, we move on. 
I lifted that for this, and we're bringing the Mayans back because wow, uh, we totally re- like ruined oh, sorry. that. Sorry, sorry. Jesus, <laughs> you're the worst at this. This is twice you've done this. <laughs> okay, uh, no, 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 uh, you're cut. Cut, cut, cut. You we off. couldn't, we couldn't, we couldn't bring the Mayans back because they were already used. <laughs> Uh, so Nystagnus, why don't you introduce who you're going to be? So, um, I'm, I'm, um, the Mayans, uh, it was just, oh! uh, super <laughs> shocking, um, I know, um, and so, yeah, that's who I'm going to be this, this next week, so, um, not to go over too much, we already kind of played with them, we already know a little bit about them, but the main thing I'm concerned about is just how to play with that, um, major, uh, placement for the cities, meaning, the cities that within six tiles of the Mayan capital um, get plus 10% um, to all their yields, but any city outside of that range gets a penalty. Um, and so that's something I have to really kind of play with, which helps with the map that we're going to be playing on, which I will reveal since I picked it. Um, so I picked Pangea as our map that we're going to be doing for. So, um, uh, and so hopefully I will spawn somewhere that allows me to do this for the mine um um when if we were on archipelago or something like that i'd be like well that's just gonna go out the window because i can't get a lot of cities um within six tiles but hopefully with pangea i can do that and uh uh and move forward from there but that's the one thing i'm interested in kind of figuring out and and working out for them I look forward to the Mayans actually maybe trying to or not trying but like actually being in a good starting location with pangea obviously um, I felt really bad for Zoe when he started on the coast. I look forward to that mostly with the mines and how uh, we can re-rank them too, right? Maybe they aren't actually A and just kind of was a bias. So with this game, we can re-rank them and see where they truly lie. How, how close to 12 do you think he'll get, Moy? 12? What do you mean 12? What's that mean? That's, that's so the I maximum think, number of I cities. I think the best you can get, the, the, the suggestion I saw, the best you can get is 12. Um, oh, uh, in, cities! In, in how many ideal, cities? Twelve cities. Yeah. Oh, how many cities yeah. do you think you're gonna get? You can't just say how many you're gonna get and expect me to know what you meant. Cities. Uh, I think I think you'll get. I think you'll get like if on the Maya thing, ten. If ten. You scroll down just a little bit. You can see the pentagram that they made um, with it. If you just scroll, oh, yeah. oh, it's even on here. Yeah. That's cool. They made it on that on the uh, Civ Wiki. It's there. Yeah. I, so, I, I do uh, remember during the, the reveal stream, they said, just build cities six tiles away and then turn on settler lens and then just see where else you can build cities. And then just like, you know, just fit them, fit them in randomly wherever you can fit them, essentially. But it also, it may be in your best interest if you start beside a coast to move away from the coast. Yeah. And just suffer that, that couple of turns and it'll suck. You'll be a little bit behind, but um, just to make sure that, because uh, yeah, beside the coast, that's, a good 25% if you're lucky uh, of your the landmass you're losing. So if not more. So let's move on to the next civilization. It'll be myself, Moisas, playing the Incans. And I'm really looking forward to this one, especially since they are one of, if not the only civilization that can work their mountain tiles and we all know that i love mountain tiles because i love science and adjacency bonuses to campuses their tendency to spawn towards mountains really will play into the play style that i'm looking for so um well they also have these things called uh they're called terrace farms 
And basically, you can build farms next to mountains and they increase the yield on those mountains as well. So they really like to uh, revolve around these mountains, set up, uh, they want to build tall because they want to just surround themselves with mountains. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this uh, a lot. Um, my cats are fighting right now and I don't know whether to like involve myself. This is really strange. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> are, are, they, are they okay? Okay, hold on. Okay, Zoe, take over. Take over. Okay. No, um, they left. They're good. We're good. They left. We're good. Okay. Um, yeah, what do you, what do you, have you guys read the Incans? What are your like, initial thoughts on the Incans? You know what? I have not honestly read the Incans in a long, long okay. time. Okay, so they can work the mountain tiles. They build terrace farms, which are next to mountains. They have a unique scout that replaces the skirmisher. However, it is not like the uh, Scottish scout. It is a little bit better because they can attack twice on one turn. So they automatically wow. get that improvement, right? Which is really, 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 really strong. Um, and their domestic trade routes gain plus one food for every mountain tile in the origin city. So they, they have a, a focus on domestic trade routes. This is one of those um, civilizations that's really outside the box, and it's specifically that you can work mountain tiles. Yes, I love uh, that. That's, I love that's it. really interesting. That's really interesting. It makes them not completely useless. Like You can use them for the adjacency bonuses, and you yeah. can work them for their production and food, which is incredible. And on the right map, and Pangea will be a map like that, it, it increases the land area of uh, arable land for you. So that's really, really neat. And uh, Zoe, why don't you take us through your civilization? All right. So I'm Mapuche. I believe I pr pronounce it right. Um, so the Mapuche have an interesting ability, infrastructure ability that's kind of like yours, only we do culture. Um, so, uh, we're able to, it's, it's a weird thing, but, um, it's, it's called a chamomile and it's like a big giant head, uh, and your builder <laughs> builds it. Yeah. It, your builder builds it and, uh, you build it on an appeal of breathtaking or more. Wow. Okay. So you got to build it on, you know, next to mountains, a, oasis, lakes or yeah. So, and it gives you culture equal to 75% of the tiles appeal. Okay. Um, so right off the bat, you know, that's like three uh, right off the bat for a, a, a four appeal. But there's also wonders that increase your appeal. So I'm, this is going to be interesting. The Eiffel so, Tower. And yeah. the Eiffel Tower, stuff like that. Um, and this is a, a builder thing. So your builder can do this. So this is a culture bonus, um, which is neat. The civilization itself gives plus 25% experience bonus uh, for units trained in a city with an established governor. That's pretty good. Plus, plus 10 combat strain bonus against civilizations experiencing a golden <laughs> That's age. That's super so, strange. If you have a golden <laughs> age, I, oh, I want to fight you. That's very deep. It's weird. Um, I don't know where that comes from. Maybe you can look into that, it and reveal it on Sunday. I'm going to. That's so I, I'm strange. Going to. It's, I'm going to. It's so out there out of nowhere. Yeah, it is. It really is. Uh, and I, I love it. I'm like, that. it's like, this is the time to attack is when they're at their best. <laughs> All right. Go. Um, okay. The, so that's neat. Uh, if not different, uh, I like the plus 25% experience bonus. So I will try to incorporate that. Um, their special unit is the Melon, Melon Rider, Melon Raider. Raider, sorry. 
Um, so this is a unique light cavalry, and uh, it gets, uh, okay, a bonus to combat if it's in friendly territory. So this is a defensive. Within four and tiles, so it can be a little within, bit outside. Oh, within four tiles, okay, a little bit, little bit out there. And then pillaging costs one movement, so that's cool. So they are literally a raider, and I'm learning more about raiding, and raiding gets you lots of money. Lots of money. Especially if you get that policy card that gives you more when you pillage. Oh my goodness, when I was playing <laughs> Norway, I had such a good time. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I uh, I used, uh, uh, some did some pillaging and it is definitely fun um, with uh, the Ottomans. I was like, wow, this is a lot of money. Um, and yeah, they got a high maintenance, you get them a gunpowder. So we'll see. Uh, and then finally, the great leader. He's weird. Lateru. This is a weird bonus. So Lateru, Lateru. He has the Swift Hawk. <laughs> defeating <laughs> defeating an enemy unit within the borders of an enemy city causes that city to lose 20 loyalty. Pillaging a tile within the border of an enemy city causes that city to lose five loyalty super strange that is really weird but i like it i get it um so we attack you and that's weird that like i get the so it's when you get a golden age when your loyalty would be up that's when i'm like fine death for everybody but otherwise i want to go around and kill your units and cause disloyalty and see if i can flip your city interesting all right. I don't know. Every Civ so far that uses loyalty, I'm not very good with, but uh, I get the culture bonus. I don't know if that, that doesn't affect loyalty, does it? No, not at all. No, <laughs> not, not at all. Loyalty is just like how much population you have or where, how far it is from your cities. It does affect what civics I have access yes. to. So that's what, I'll, that's what I'll be looking at and seeing uh, what, I can, what damage I can do. You probably so, want right, to focus on building massive loyalty in your land, like build monuments, mm -hmm. build, get those cards that give you loyalty for garrison units to push that loyalty because you just want to minimize that loyalty. Because if you minimize it to maybe plus five per turn, those 20s are going to add up. You know what I mean? So it's almost like when you're defending against Mapuche, you almost don't want units in your land like you want to try to save every single one of them you want to only have a garrisoned unit maybe or like a couple of units mm -hmm. around because you might be scared that you might lose enough loyalty where they could just take your city without even taking your city yeah they're just by killing your guys and demoralizing you with pillaging uh and like their raiders their pillaging only costs one movement so you know this unit it's it's interesting it but it's pretty weak it's a 55 and it's a gunpowder age uh, so you need gunpowder rather to get it. Uh, so that means that, you know, you also have a musketman, which is 55 as well. Yeah, it's the same strength, but it doesn't require uh, gunpowder at all. Like it doesn't require a niter. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't require. So that's good. So it's like it's like um, a musketman with a movement of four that doesn't need niter. So that is very neat. This is a, I've never played this civilization before, and uh, it's going to bring out some interesting aspects. For this game so that's neat we all have i think interesting map aspects here uh i think pangea is going to definitely benefit everybody here um me with my mountains you uh especially dual size because then you'll have your borders close to other cities and then nystagmus obviously being maya 
uh, trying to get as many cities as he can. I kind of take back that he can build 10 cities since it's a dual-sized map. I don't know how much land is going to be available, especially on a Pangea. We have no idea where we're going to spawn. We can spawn within like seven tiles of each other, just like we did that one other like snowflake game or something like that. So we can spawn was, really so close to each other. city states involved, right? City states are going to yeah. complicate it. And we're going to have, I think we're going to do six city-states. We're going to do a roll of the dice. We're going to do one, one D6 okay. to see how many city-states we will have. It's going to be very interesting. What 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 will be neat, though, for the Maya is if, even if we are in cramped quarters and there's no way you're getting 12 cities and say we only each get five, okay, or something like that, we each get a low number, all of your cities are 10% better. So you'll, you'll still be good because oh, yeah. we're cramped. All your cities are likely going to be right beside each other. Um, so your cities will be that little bit better than the rest of ours, no matter what. So it's, it seems like, my, like I have a lot of city improvements. Maya has a lot of city improvements. And then there's Mapuche who just wants to kill everything. <laughs> I'm going to do lots of culture. So I'm, I'm definitely going to explore what um, offensive uh, civics um, will help speed up the rest of my civilization. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this is going to be interesting. All right, so this yeah, it will be interesting, and you can catch this this episode of the Civ Show on Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be doing the Battle of the Americas: Inca versus Mapuche versus the Mayans. Any last words or thoughts? Do you guys want to do one Q and A? Like one question? I have one question ready. Sure. Okay, we'll we'll do it very quickly. Five minutes. We have five no, minutes. Five fine. minutes Go max. Okay. Ask away. So. Uh, this one comes from at BAFCBen83. Uh, I'd like to see a bonus added if you secure a wonder from your civilization. For example, a bonus added if playing England, you can secure Stonehenge, or Egypt, you can secure the pyramids. What are your thoughts on this? I'll, I, I'll start where I don't think there's enough wonders in each civilization for the for to at least balance this, but maybe it could be like every civilization has one wonder. That like if they get it, they get a little bit extra from it. So say that's the balance change. Um, how, what do you guys think about that? Uh, I think it would be neat with uh, attach it to agendas. Um, so maybe if you have that wonder, if you're and you're playing England, they'll be they'll want it. Um, so they'll be angry with you. Uh, but if if they had it uh, and you're playing them. I don't know, maybe they're friendly or something like that. So I think it'd be neat if they if they connected it to agenda. Changing the actual wonder would. Uh, so let's say it, it changed it changed the game in an interesting way. But so Stonehenge gets plus four faith, I think, per turn. So let's say if England builds it, they get plus six. That's like the change. They just get a little bit more. Yeah, something like that. Um, it would really, um, hmm. it would really hurt the more modern civilizations, though. For example, like the United States. Which doesn't need any, but when I'm talking about like this game is a game of snowballing. So if there's a civilization that has more wonders available early on to build um, to get that bonus, then it allows them to have more snowball um, kind of benefit. And so that's the only thing I would be concerned about would be, you know, the United States in this game already doesn't need any more help and not being that great. It all depends, right? It, it depends on, on how they would do that. I think that's a cool idea that, it, you know, it should be kind of cool that you know england builds big ben that would be like really cool um you know but i only think it would it would kind of hamper the civilizations in the ancient era let me throw this idea let me throw this idea at you guys have it that it's a connected to golden ages and have it something simple like so for instance for stonehenge 
if you control Stonehenge during the ancient era golden age, this is the bonus you get. And it, and the bonus would be that you get an extra dedication and it's just that simple. So it's a golden age. You get one extra dedication because you had the wonder at the right time. So if you're the Americans, it'd be, if you have the statue of Liberty uh, and golden age during the industrial era, you get it, you get an extra dedication and it's just sim mm. sim simple like that. Just a simple little bonus. And if that was a heroic age for you, then pff, that's fine. You get all of them. Like, okay. So. I could, I, I kind of like that. Or it's like a guaranteed golden age, the next era kind of thing. That, that could be that kind could of be, a, yeah, that could work too. If that'd be even more generous. If, uh, if you built it, um, if you, as long as you have it, when you achieve a golden age or, or, or an age or the other, the other way to balance, it would be, uh, that you get an extra era score for building it. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess they could do that. I like, I, I think it'd be neat if it was, you had to target it. So it's like, you have to make sure you have a golden age in this era. And if you don't, you don't get the bonus. There's no bonus dedication. Mm -hmm. uh, you missed it. You missed the opportunity. Cool. Okay. It's a good question. Good, good question. question. Uh, if you have any questions, you can definitely post it on our Twitter and just at us at the Civ Show. Or you can join our Discord. You can join our Discord. Uh, there's a link on our Twitch channel. You can find us at twitch.tv slash the Civ Show. And you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Same handle at the Civ Show. Gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you guys for coming out. And we'll see you on Sunday for the next episode of The Civ Show at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Until then, we will see you then. See you then. See you then. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. I was thinking that Sunday, again. Sunday, 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 Sunday. If you're not there, you better be dead.